You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Postprandial somnolence, aka food coma. Have you experienced that? We, I know you all have at one time or another. You know, that's the, the drowsy feeling and physical fatigue after eating a big holiday meal. But did you know that food can affect your mental health and your behavior as well? Now, today we have Dr. Uma Naidu, a triple threat in the food space as a board-certified psychiatrist, nutrition specialist, and a professional trained chef. Now, in her best-selling book, This Is Your Brain on Food, an indispensable guide to the surprising foods that fight depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, ADHD, and more. Now, she dives into cutting-edge science, uh, research, scientific research to explain the many ways in which food contributes to our mental health and shows how a sound diet can help treat and prevent a wide a variety of psychological and cognitive health issues. Welcome, Dr. Uma. Thank you so much, Dr. Suzanne. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I'd love to hear your backstory on how a psychiatrist got interested in nutrition and food. (laughs) It started in my childhood. You know, I I grew up in a large South Asian family. So always lots of food, uh, lots of uh, picking fresh vegetables in the garden with my grandmother because I skipped out of nursery school and my mom was studying uh, um, to be a doctor herself. So I would hang out with grandma and sort of learned about food and cooking through that experience. But then also in my family, there were many allopathic physicians and Ayurvedic practitioners. So the discussion of food and science and the impact was was part of the whole kind of dinner table conversation. But when I moved uh, moved to study and moved away, I really uh, brought the family recipes with me and the ideas of how to use spices. I always had that interest and uh, love for nutrition and good tasty food. I think the change really happened in me when I realized in learning psychopharmacology that there were as much as medications can be life-saving for some individuals, they also have many devastating side effects. And I felt a certain need to have this conversation around lifestyle measures, movement, how my patients were eating, what they were doing in addition to um, just prescribing that medication. And I think that really came from those holistic roots with which I grew up, the mind-body connection, the practice of yoga, mindfulness, you know, family um, being taught how to meditate or, or having family members who meditated. And so I, I continue to, to bring this approach to my, um, to my practice and the interests and my, uh, my, my love for learning more and then studying the culinary arts and studying nutrition, all of that came together because it became a language of, uh, which is the language of nutritional psychiatry, but it became a way to relate to individuals and offer them more tools than a toolkit for feeling emotionally well, feeling emotionally fit, feeling emotionally healthier. Because although I designed and wrote the book around different uh, different conditions, the truth is, especially in the here and now, anyone who's not feeling good, feeling a bit stressed, feeling blue, um, feeling traumatized by the by the aspects of the pandemic that they've endured, can in fact really reach out to literally the end of their fork as a method to start feeling better. And that's really the spirit with which the book was written. 
Mm. It's fantastic. I mean, the fact that in the title, subtitle, you go into all of the main mood disorders and psychological issues that that we are constantly uh, dealing with here in America, depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, I mean, and ADHD. Uh, what I love the fact is that you're saying there's specific foods that can help you, you and your brain start to feel better and minimize the symptomatology. Exactly right. And much of it is based on, you know, the first chapter is called the gut-brain romance for a reason. There's really been in the last two decades a burgeoning amount of research in the gut microbiome. And many people don't realize that the gut and brain are connected because they're not close by in the body. So people wouldn't automatically make that association. But the gut and brain originate from the same exact cells in the embryo. And then they are connected throughout life by the 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve. And, you know, I like to call the 10th cranial nerve a two-way superhighway. Uh, working 24-7, allowing for chemical messages in two directions, from the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. And, you know, that helps people to understand that there is almost this built-in innate connection um, and, and where the gut-brain connection also becomes important, especially now, is that about 70% of our immune system is housed in the gut. So how we eat really also becomes important for maintaining a healthy and robust immune system. And, you know, people know about medications like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, such as Prozac or Zoloft. Um, but, you know, more than 90% of those receptors are also in the gut. So I think that that helps people understand that there's this built-in connection and we're finding more and more evidence around the exact foods uh, as studies go on. Mm, I love the fact that you're talking about the microbiome. Um, I I wrote the book, The Kimchi Diet. And when I was doing my research and studies on that and how much, how important fermented foods is to help nourish and, and create that robust microbiome because it's, it's our, the bugs, our friendly bugs in our gut that actually can produce the uh, different forms of neurotransmitters, the different types of feel-good hormones, let's say, for instance, serotonin mm -hmm. and, um, and GABA in the gut by our little, our little friendly bacteria. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. And I love kimchi. So, so I mean, um, so, so absolutely <laughs> brilliant because, you know, the things that people don't realize uh, that, that there are things we are eating which bring back those positive effects. So kimchi is a fermented food kombucha, kefir, miso, natto, all of these are fermented foods. Now, you can take a probiotic supplement. You can eat, you know, a plain Greek yogurt, which may have, uh, you know, would have some added cultures in it. You can get live cultures that way as well, but you can also get it through fermented food. The idea of supporting the gut microbiome is something that is a simple step any one of us can take because what that does as as you well know is the fermented foods feed the good microbes in the gut. And by them thriving, they're taking care of so many other functions for us. One of them is the neurotransmitters. One of them is the production of positive substances like the short-chain fatty acids. But when we're eating, you know, the fast food, junk food diet, those are feeding the bad microbes in the gut. And when they get fed, they overcome the good, the good guys, so to speak. And when they overcome the good microbes, then you get the setup for dysbiosis, or gut inflammation, which ultimately leads to leaky gut. And you go down the path of sort of more disease and inflammation in the gut. And what I say to 
to get the message across to people is a happy gut is a happy mood, meaning that if you're taking care of your gut, you're going to feel emotionally okay. And, you know, the, the opposite is the same as well. If, you, if you're not taking care of your gut and you're feeding the, ba- the bad bugs with, you know, French fries and, and soda, then, then they're going to take over. And that's when you start to experience things that people often call leaky gut. Mm. Let's let's dive into some of your chapters because you like you said earlier you go into each chapter of a different types of conditions that is very commonly um, addressed uh, that a lot of us deal with. I mean, the first one is by far uh, very very well known in um, the field of psychiatry is depression. Uh, and with depression, right. you mentioned about the SSRIs, of course. But what foods can we use and what changes can we put into our lifestyle so that uh, we can relieve it? I mean, right now with COVID, there's a lot of people that are coming in um, depressed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that one of the things for us to realize about the pandemic and COVID is that many of us has, has sought comfort in food. And I use that word with sort of uh, within quotation marks because the foods that many, many of us have turned to actually are uncomfortable or create discomfort for the brain. And that's one of the things for us to understand so that we can, at this point where we are, just try to make some habit changes. If we've unfortunately gotten into some habits while working from home or under the stress of the confinement, quarantine, pandemic, um, and and that type of stuff. So in some of the ways we can work towards uh, better gut health um, and a better mood could be simple things like we just spoken we spoke about probiotics and fermented foods. Right there is an easy way to start building back um, the and fortifying your mental health. Another is prebiotics. Prebiotics are foods that actually bring fiber, an essential nutrient for those gut microbes, because that's what they feed on. And I, I like to talk about the, the gut microbiome uh, like, a, like, like a guest that you have in your home. You, want to, you, you, know, you generally want to treat your guests well. So when, you, know, you, you want to give them foods that, that are good for them and things like beans, oats, garlic, onions, dandelion greens, asparagus, to name a few, actually are prebiotic foods. So those are things you can add to a soup, add it to a stir fry, start including them in your diet because they are going to actually support your microbiome and your gut health. Other things are paying attention to the healthy fats. So things like, um, you know, the fats from uh, nuts and nut butters um, actually have short-chain omega-3 fatty acids, good for our brain, um, olive oil, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties, and a healthy fat. Avocados, similar thing, plus avocados have fiber. You know, adding these into how we're eating actually support our mood. Um, You can also get omega-3 fatty acids from fatty fish like salmon or mackerel or sardines. If you you don't eat seafood, you can get it from plant-based sources like chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts, those are the short-chain omega-3 fatty acids. And then, you know, never forget the B, v, B, B vitamins, which are so important. They support brain health. So your B12, your, your thiamine, your folate, all of those are important. Um, I think, uh, new, you know, micronutrients like magnesium are important. Um, and, and one of my favorite go-tos are the, the herbs and spices because they're calorie-free, they're salt-free, they flavor up our food, they make our different foods, the stir fries or roasted vegetables different. And you can, you know, the, the spices that hit the high notes with mood 
are saffron as well as turmeric um, and oregano. So, you know, adding those into different foods will help you over time. And if you're using turmeric, add in a pinch of black pepper or, you know, make sure that you're using a healthy fat to cook with the turmeric because those two methods actually make the turmeric more bioavailable to your body and your brain. So, you know, just some ways to add add these foods into your daily diet. I remember reading a an article, God, it must have been five, six years ago, about saffron and uh, comparing that to the SSRI. Yes. So absolutely. can you, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about saffron and how much saffron are we talking about? Um, I mean, should we be eating it, you know, twice a week? How, how much should we take in? Because sure. saffron is, a, number one, it's not something that's used very often. It's very strong. Just a tiny little bit of threads are pretty strong. Absolutely. You know, the studies of saffron, you're absolutely right what you're referring to. There's actually some strong um, trials around use of saffron for mood disorders. And the only thing, saffron is one of the few things in my book where I suggest to people for exactly the the uh, uh, points you made, that it might be the, the time to get a supplement. Um, I generally want people to try food strategies first, but we can always supplement the things that we may not get be able to get enough of, for example, vitamin D. Um, certain parts of the country, so certainly where I live, many of us may be deficient in vitamin D because of sunlight. So saffron, again, we only use a few threads. It's also an expensive spice. It's very flavorful. You don't need to use much. But really, based on the on the research that, that's been done, you're probably not going to get enough from food. But the fact that there's evidence behind it improving mood, that would be a good time to discuss with your physician looking into a supplement if you want to use it as an additional way to feel better. Mm, that's such a great point. So definitely there is saffron available, but speak to your therapist, your, your psychiatrist, or your uh, physician um, to help you, guide you towards uh, utilizing that before possibly of, of going into the SSRIs. Fantastic. Exactly. Well, let's, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about then some of the um, foods that can benefit for anxiety. Now, right now, high anxiety everywhere. I will share with you uh, one of the things that whenever I travel, you know how when you feel travel, the stresses are travel. First thing I do when I come home, I, I have what's called um, is it kimchi juice. Um, yeah. Doctor, so the kimchi juice actually is really loaded. There's no like veggies so much in it as much as the liquid, the fermented liquid. And I drink a cup of that to just calm my whole nervous system down. Wow. And I swear mm -hmm. by that. I mean, it's one of the I, things that I've done yeah. for so long. But what foods can we have or ingredients in our foods can we have that will help us with anxiety? Absolutely. So this is where I use the acronym STRESS. Um, and, uh, at the, uh, by the way, these are only some of the foods. There are many more in the book. But some just to remember off the top of your head is S is for super dark chocolate. The cacao is a rich, uh, pro, uh, is a rich cacao flavonol. Great for your brain because it's a good antioxidant. It basically helps the brain fend off the ex oxidative stress. 
It also is full of magnesium. Chocolate um, is a probiotic food. Um, and so all of that is, is good. And I always say, you know, go for the, the really dark natural chocolate, at least 80% or more cacao, and the unsweetened version. So, so that's a, a squ- small square uh, a day will actually do, do you, do you good in terms of stress and anxiety. Then the, um, you know, um, A is for, I'm sorry, the, uh, we said super dark chocolate. T is for try ashwagandha. This is where, you know, you might, uh, ashwagandha has been used in an, as an Ayurvedic herb for many, many um, years in, in Ayurvedic medicine. It's an ancient root, and it's usually in the form of a powder or an adaptogen pill. But, you know, there are certain supplements where you can get it and uh, use it that way. But then you can also try the R, which is a way to remember to include the rainbow of veggies. Why? Because the different colors of the vegetables in your diet, the colorful peppers, the greens, the reds, the oranges, all of those actually bring back strong and positive phytochemicals for your gut. These are anti-inflammatory substances, which also help your brain health. So including those just very simply every day is helpful to you. The E is for eat your berries. So, you know, things like blueberries, blackberries, um, strawberries are all rich in fiber. They decrease inflammation and they bring back good, they, they feed your um, microbiome with good bacteria. So, uh, so this is a way to think about it. And then, you know, I mentioned spices and herbs. The one is for, for spices and herbs. I spoke about turmeric. Turmeric is another one that hits the high notes in stress and anxiety. So add that in a quarter teaspoon with a pinch of black pepper into a soup, a smoothie, or even a tea. And if you cook, then add it to your roasted veggies um, or oven-baked dishes as well. Um, and then the last S is for salads. Why do I mention salads? It's not just, you know, one more doctor telling you to eat a salad. But, you know, the greens, the leafy greens and salads are rich in folate and iron. Folate is an essential nutrient found in those vegetables, and it really helps stress and anxiety because we know that its deficiency not only contributes to a loss of brain cells, it's highly linked to anxiety, memory loss, chronic fatigue, and stress. So when you add those into your daily diet, it really is fending off um, a lot of those conditions just by simply eating that healthy green salad. So those are some of the foods. Uh, to get you started in terms of fending off uh, stress and anxiety. Oh, thank you. Regarding these foods, do they actually have any neurotransmitters in them? Or do, do they, uh, for instance, serotonin or GABA? Uh, or do they optimize your ability to produce them within your own body? Actually, both. So, uh, you know, I mentioned dark chocolate, you know, with the cacao. But uh, real dark chocolate is also rich in serotonin. So that's that's one of the examples where there's actually serotonin in the chocolate. And then there are other examples where the action of the um either the action of the antioxidant formation or the phytochemicals which interact with the gut microbes, uh, you know, they work almost synergistically to help with the neurotransmitter function. Mm, thank you. How do you feel about the L-theanine to help you for relaxing uh, that's found highly in green tea? I think it, it's very helpful to a lot of people. I, I also speak about body intelligence to people in nutritional psychiatry, which is paying attention to how something makes them feel. Like some people 
really enjoy a cup of green tea. They find it really helps them focus. It gives them a little bit of an energy boost. But another person might feel a little jittery. Same thing with coffee. So I think if it's something you tolerate and you enjoy, it definitely has um, a lot of good positive substances, including the antioxidant uh, EGCG as well. Mm. Great, EGCG. Um, how do you feel about hemp and products like CBD oil? Do you utilize that for depression and anxiety? So, you know, my book didn't didn't really cover, cover those. Um, in my clinical practice, I might hear from my clients that they're using that. Uh, you know, I usually, um, where I, I haven't reviewed the evidence myself, I'm just not as familiar with whether they would be uh, would be useful. But if someone tells me that it helps, I usually try to find out more at that point. Mm, great. Um, let's you know more and more people are dealing with PTSD. Um, a lot, of course, from for our military men and women that come back, uh, but also PTSD from trauma at home, uh, childhood trauma, and uh, now that we've got more and more. I understand from the COVID situation, there's more uh, domestic violence, things like that. So can you talk a little bit about PTSD and how can we relieve ourselves of some of the symptomatology through food? Absolutely. You know, uh, trauma and PTSD in these conditions are very serious. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, one of the safest ways to go is to make sure that if you suspect either yourself or someone else, a friend, a family member, may be in a position to make sure they get evaluated by a psychiatrist, a mental health clinician to really assess the severity because people who have undergone severe trauma may may really need, they may well need a medication, they may, may need acute care, but if they're sort of living with an ongoing trauma and, you know, therapies become important, a supportive talking relationship with the therapist becomes important. But other ways that you can fortify and work against the traumas is also how you eat, you know, the healthy principles of, of things that we've already spoken about um, are, are, are ex- extremely helpful. But we also, one of the other things I speak about in the different mental health condition is different foods or substances to avoid which could worsen symptoms. And what is interesting is in PTSD and trauma, that MSG and other glutamates, sometimes the health glutamates found in regular foods, not just MSG, can actually drive symptoms of trauma. So if you are struggling with those, then be careful of MSG and other glutamates, glutamic acids in food, which can be found in things that you may be cooking or eating at eating naturally in a restaurant, like fish sauce or, or um, you know, an otherwise healthy food like miso or a cheese like Parmesan cheese. These are not foods you would generally need to avoid. But if you have trauma or symptoms of PTSD, you may want to look at that list of, of foods before indulging in them because they've actually been shown to worsen the symptoms of trauma. That's such a good point. MSG, and, and you know, MSG, a lot of people recognize that those letters and monosodium glutamate, but there's a lot of, of um, additives that are just like MSG. For instance, hydrolyzed yeast extracts. Boy, do we find a lot of that in our soups and our flavoring, right? 
Absolutely. And and that's where, where where my, although my list of foods to avoid are always much smaller than the foods you can add in to feel better, the, the truth is that the couple of ingredients or the few things listed on the foods to avoid in each chapter are important because often people don't realize they're in something they're eating. Like you just said, it could be hidden in the food label. It could, you know, there are almost 200, uh, almost 250 names um, other names for sugar um, uh, on food labels, and people don't realize that they read brown rice syrup. That's actually a form of sugar. So becoming a little bit savvy about knowing where those hidden glutamates may be or the hidden sugars and things like that, which drive certain symptoms of mental um, illness, is important. Mm. Right. Thank you. You know, I just talking about sugar, I have a patient that um, she's in her teens, and Literally, she changes, go, goes from a, a wonderful young lady uh, who's all excited about life to someone who's completely different, changes to uh, someone who's very angry and even aggressive, aggressive. And when I did her testing, we did blood testing, et cetera, I, I, we, I told her she ended up having reactive hypoglycemia. She would eat sugar and all of a sudden it'll dive down and it would go down into like the 50s and 60s of uh, blood sugar level. And she, that's when she would go into this complete different person. And for her, obviously, it's very important uh, to manage manage her blood sugar and eat properly so that her mind and her, her brain can be, you know, more sane. Uh, I would say that going into from there, um, we I'd like to talk one more, you know, we only have a few more minutes here. On ADHD, uh, we all know in America there's just a literally an epidemic of ADHD, and so many children are put on drugs. But you're saying that there's a lot of foods that can really trigger that. Can you go into that a bit before we're um, done? Absolutely, there are definitely foods that can can trigger symptoms of ADHD, and I've seen it in my practice as I'm sure you have as well. And in this case, gluten is one of them. I'm not a person who demonizes foods or food ingredients, but what I've done in my book is point people to where the research is. So in this instance, it may be the type of gluten. It may be a person who has undiagnosed celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity because, you know, a whole grain, um, a healthy whole grain could actually be very beneficial to the gut and to the gut bacteria. But certain gluten in processed foods or, or store-bought breads or um, a, a frozen pizza dough or a different type of pasta um, may, may actually worsen symptoms. And same thing with dairy. Some people tolerate dairy, others do not. But in terms of dairy, it's found that the uh, symptoms are worsened specifically by the A1 milk proteins or caseins. But now there are forms of milk that are called A2 milk uh, that, that people can buy, which may be better tolerated if they have symptoms of ADHD, or they can turn to nut milks or goat or sheep's milk. Uh, same thing for yogurts. And then, you know, the, the, there is a significant amount of evidence around sugar, and some of the, um, some of the evidence is mixed. But many, many parents will tell you, um, you know, the, the, the child goes to birthday party, has a lot of cupcakes and candy, and has, you know, that change in behavior that they notice. So, you know, unfortunately, sugar and added sugars, refined sugars are really um, not good for our brain. They 
They worsen uh, symptoms of anxiety. They drive depression, but they're also not good for ADHD. So those are those are three that I highlight with people. And then there are things like the food colorings and additives that we, again, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, we don't easily notice or realize that in our food when we buy something that's packaged. And, and to be aware of those, because they can uh, actually be very confounding for symptoms of ADHD. Mm, thank you, Dr. Doctor. Doctor um, Uma, can you please tell us where we can find more about you, your book? This book is phenomenal. You've given so much information today, and I know, and there's a lot more. <laughs> there are a lot more different types of conditions that you go into. Uh, but can you go ahead and give us where we can find more about you and your book? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So please subscribe to my website if you're interested, because you can find links to the book there. It's umanaidumd.com. And follow me on social, where we're always putting updated research, information, links to the book, and you can get in touch with us. And that's at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. And um, you can find the book on Amazon, indie bookstores, Barnes & Noble, anywhere where books are found. And uh, there's a lot more information than we discussed today in the book itself. Oh, wonderful information. Thank you so much, Dr. Uma. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Great questions. Thank you. All right. That's Uma Naidu, MD, and that's U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O-M-D.com. And when you get on the, her website, you'll be able to find an actual gift, uh, a guide. It's called the Call Mood Guide. Definitely opt in for that so you can start feeling better today. Such great information. It's very valuable for all of you. So share the show with your loved ones. It can change their life for the better. And please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. Now, if you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.